In this episode, Ryan Griggs and I discuss how we each discovered the infinite banking concept. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. I'm Ryan Griggs. And my name is James Nethery. You know, I, I've got to say that uh, Ryan Griggs and I, we met probably late 2017 or early 2018. Uh, what a blessing, right? But I'm going to start sooner and then go back. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> so we have uh, been working together since and maybe a month or so ago, a couple of months ago, working on a project that that should be released later this month, October of 2018. Mm-hmm. Right. So really what that is, we did a book review of uh, Nelson's first book, Becoming Your Own Banker. And, you know, we did it in such a way that it's absolutely not a replacement of the book or you shouldn't um, not read the book. And we were pretty, uh, pretty adamant about, you know, just doing a complete uh, review of the book, mm-hmm. not putting too much of us into that. Well, that's but always how, difficult. <laughs> very difficult, right. <laughs> However, it was all of the, you know, so you're shooting because it's a video, right? So you're shooting and, and there's, you know, breaks in the filming. Oh. And the the interaction that we have and enjoy went on between the clips was just unbelievably entertaining at least to us right? <laughs> <laughs> and so and i thought about it, it was like well let me see i'm old you're young i'm dark hasty black. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're an academic and uh I'm not, uh-huh. and it was just awesome. I had fun, a lot of fun. Yeah, and that'll be a good series. You know, we still in production, but like you said, October of this year, 2018. Uh, who knows? Three hours, four hours long, but it'll be good for people to have something. Either either they haven't read the book, they're reading the book, or they've already read it, going into their second reading. And they can... Yeah, and if they haven't read it, they need to read it. Right. right. So that's Nelson Nash. Becoming Your Own Banker, written in 2000, fifth edition, and it's all about the infinite banking concept. And then our book, our, our review of that book is really just to bring Becoming Your Own Banker to YouTube, the digital video. Now, there's not a lot out there. Kind of the reason for our podcast now is there's so little in the way of video and audio for becoming your own banker and infinite banking education out there. You mean it's going to go out there without a funnel? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 There's not going to be a sales gimmick tied to it or no, uh, you know, jump through this hoop, jump through that hoop. And then I'm going to stalk you forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're, it's definitely a, a, a values driven, passion driven, kind of thing. That's why it was for me. Um, maybe you should talk about some of your history in the financial business, but my, you know, I came to infinite banking because I was in Austrian economics, bachelor's and master's and regular old economics. Uh, plenty to Wait, what, what is that? What is regular old economics? Mainstream 
you know, uh, post-Keynesian, neo-Keynesian style economics. See, that's what I'm talking about. Post-Keynesian, neo-Keynesian. Yeah, you know, it's a, a bunch of stuff that nobody really needs to know. It has cer certainly nothing to do with how the world really works, but you know, I came from a academic economic background with the intention of focusing on Austrian economics. You know, went to Texas Tech, Free Market Institute, and uh, just you, you know what the you've been around professors and economists and you know you learn what the I'm from what, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> you know the academic life is just brutal and Austrians can talk all day about what the problem is fractional reserve banking and they do and they do and there's plenty of good stuff out there yes. and people should eat that up but. At some point, you got to stumble upon a solution. Yeah, they're standing in line to eat that up, right? <laughs> yeah, so it's, you know, I was looking at uh, Bob Murphy. He was a professor at Tech at the time. and One of my favorite economists. Yeah, yeah seriously. And a friend, you know. Yes. Uh, but he co-founded this Nelson Nash Institute, and that's how I came upon Nelson Nash read the book in a day. You know, a lot of people. <laughs> well, wait, wait, wait. So you come from an Austrian economics background, but, you know, more connections for him. Sure. Okay. Well, like interned at the Mises Institute, for example, summer of 2013 uh, in Auburn, Alabama. Uh, Murray Roth, people have heard the name Murray Rothbard, prom very prominent Austrian economist, maybe the most famous of the. Uh, 20th century, maybe still the most famous today. He had a private library of like over 5,000 books in his apartment in New York. And when he passed away in 1995, those books were moved to the Mises Institute in Auburn, Alabama, where they stayed in boxes in storage mm. until I got there in 2013 and moved them all downstairs to the Wolf Library. And Murray would Right throughout all of his books that he read and little comments talking smack in the margins. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you can go there today in Auburn and, and see what he wrote and the kind of books he read. And, um, so, you know, very intimately, I had a lot of conversations with Lou Rockwell. And you know, at the time, Dan Sanchez was still there. At the time, he's now at uh, FEE, Foundation for Economic Education. But did Mises University, did the Rothbard Graduate Seminar, you know, now know Jeff Deist, who now runs the Institute. So, you know, I, I was, love the way he writes. Yeah, Jeff's great. He's original, you know, can talk in front of a crowd. He's not just running an organization. He's right. a part of the intellectual environment, too. Uh, but, yeah, I was deep into it. I was disappointed. You know, I, I get into academia, I get into the doctoral level, and just disappointed in the lack of passion. I mean, everybody's passionate in their own way, don't get me wrong, but really the the lack of fire. I, I, I thought that that was going to be a environment where people would just be ripping at the bit to you know, put forth the, the intellectual background behind freedom and libertarianism which is economics you know the, the science of economics it's not a it's not ideological or 
any of that. There's a rigorous science behind it. And I would, I would think that if you get neck deep in that, then you know, you, how could you not be bursting at the seams to tell everybody, you know, to teach it, to study it. But, you know, modern academia is so politicized. I, I don't want to beat them, beat them up too much, although sometimes I do, but, uh, they deserve it. Yeah. They earned it. And, I mean, most of the time we all earn what we have coming. You yeah, know, we get yeah. it. We earned it. So, and there's, and I don't want to beat them up either. Right. But, well, and then you want to find the solution. You know, if there's, if you're convinced that there's really a problem and there is a problem and there are proposed solutions, Nelson talks about top down thinking. And a lot of the proposed solutions are top down solutions. You know, and the Fed is great. Right? I guess the audience in 2008 or seven or whenever it was just spontaneously started chanting <laughs> that. And that's fine. You know, sure. And, you know, and the most powerful cartel in the history of the world. You know, people, this, you have this saying that it might, it'll take an act of Congress to do that. <laughs> take more than an act of Congress. I mean, it's like, oh, my God, an act of Congress created them and embedded them and has protected them. There you go. Okay, so so Austrian background, and there's a rich Austrian background. You even spent some time with Hoppe, didn't you? Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, Property and Freedom Society Conference in Bodrum, Turkey in 2013. Um, read everything Hoppe had ever written, and, you know, that didn't work out either. <laughs> <laughs> Shock. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just... The, it became clear in this 2016-17 academic year. At Lubbock? At, in Lubbock, Tech. Texas, Texas Tech, that it just wasn't for me. And I, I had already met Nelson in 2016 in Northern California. Uh, Kaylin Peterson was hosting Nelson. One of his last seminars. Right. He was doing in person, two day seminar, 10 hours, two hours on a two to three hours on a Friday night, and then the day, Saturday. And, uh, you know, very looking back, it's now, you know, thinking of Nelson and what he's done, he was so encouraging of the agent and supportive. You know, it wasn't a salesy environment, you didn't feel like you were getting suckered in and I, I've been to those kind of things like those real estate seminars, you know. Oh my god, everything's an upsell. Everything's an upsell. The upsell yes, you're getting coffee, you know, it's every little thing. It's all meticulously planned and they've all got the elaborate suits on and all this. So it wasn't that like that at all. It was warm and encouraging, you know, Nelson Southern gentleman. His warmth just radiates throughout the room feel welcome. He's got all these stories, you know, no script, no notes. He's got slides, but he'll talk right through the slides. But every so often, very encouraging. They're for the audience, not for him, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We need something to hang on to as he's going through all this material. And But, it, but he was so encouraging of Kaylin. And I'm still friends with Kaylin and she helps with some writing that I do. And uh, just a very positive environment and not a lot of people there, you know, 10 or 20 people. But I had a, you know, I had already read the book. 
And, you know, so <laughs> we hear about some people who have come around to infinite banking and it took them a while to get there. Year, two, three, four, five, who knows, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, some are slower than others. It's okay. It's Grade true. them on the curve or yeah. give them a break, a little grace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, did, I just didn't have that experience. It was very quick, and I read the book in one night, and I knew that was something there. So I started reading it again, finished the next day. Had read it a couple times by the time I went to the seminar. And, you know, you can't sit still. I, I took pages of notes, like half of one of those standard legal pads. I just couldn't stop writing. And I uh, had Nelson sign the book. And, yeah, so since the, so fast forward, that was in 2016. Fast forward to the summer of 2018 after I had beaten been beaten down in academia. A couple of months ago, 16 to 18, or fast forward to the summer of 2017? Uh, so from my, the time with the, in the seminar in 2016, it was May of 2016, I was finishing my master's degree in Northern California. And then fast forward two years later okay. to the summer of, well, no, you're right, one year, the summer of 2017. <laughs> you should be better with numbers. I should, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, summer of 2017, uh, after I'd been beaten down in academia, it's like, why not be a part of the solution? Or the warmth, the solution, and the excitement yeah. of uh, recognizing a legitimate, bona fide solution. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine. Well, I can't imagine because I experienced the same thing, kind of. Mm -hmm. But anyway, okay, 2017. Yeah, so 2017 and... That summer, I left in, I think my official end date was September 1 of 2017. So you were at Texas Tech, right, under yep. their... Uh, As a PhD in agricultural and applied economics. Okay. I was uh, funded by the Free Market Institute. You know, they provide full funding and everything. And, you know, it's a good deal for uh, the a typical like, PhD kind of... So there you are, a PhD candidate... Fully funded. PhD student at the time, yeah. He, there's various levels of succession as you go through. And I can't wait to learn about them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, PhD student went through the classes. You know, there was no, I mean, it was mostly math, mostly econometrics, coding. You'd think a PhD. In fact, I had just on LinkedIn the other day, because uh, I, wrote, I wrote about my little PhD experience on my blog. And then people will find me on LinkedIn and also considering the PhD. So we've been having, he, this guy's in Portugal, works at a, I don't know if it's a bank or a, a central bank there, but just asking about Banco the, the experience. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, it's certainly stressful, but. Did you let him down easy? Uh, you know, I try uh, to give people yeah. <laughs> a balanced opinion. As much as I can do of that, but uh, you know that a lot of people knock Austrian-minded economic thinkers for not being good at math or whatever, or not being able to do the things that modern economists do, and that wasn't the problem for me. I mean, I went through the coursework fine and passed the big exams that you have at the end of the or in the middle of the coursework. 
So everything looked good on paper, and it's a good program. You know, you're not supposed to leave a fully paid PhD. Um, Especially if your parents paid for it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, and that's that's the track to becoming a... a Okay, so you, you, you went, you know, you met Nelson 2016. You're in the middle of the summer of 2017. Steeped. It's almost like you've, you know, experienced, uh, you know, well, more than you wanted to or another side of economics, maybe, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And uh, how did you make that connection, you know, to where you're at today, what you're doing? Well, a lot of people who go and do a PhD in economics or want to go into economics professionally in whatever way, do it in order with a job in mind. Mm-hmm. Right? They've got an idea of the money they want to make or the kind of lifestyle they want to live or it's all career oriented thinking. And that was just, that's never been how I've thought. I don't know. I, very idea driven kind of person. And it was always about the ideas, you know, and I wanted to do my master's thesis was on methodological, the, the, the methodological arguments within Austrian economics. Now, this is stuff that most people do not care about, um, but it's the foundation upon which you know, proper economic science is built. And that's what, that's the kind of thing that mattered to me. My my grad, the graduate assistant teacher person who taught the dissertation <laughs> class at the end of my master's yes. uh, had no idea what I was talking about. He just knew it was well written. This is a you know it's good, and I put a lot of it was good. It's, yeah, yeah, you know, sure. But you're an excellent author. Yeah, the, well, thank you. But you know, he had no idea. And this is you know, PhD student about to be a full professor and anyway point of all that it, very in-depth narrow kind of stuff and also into things like monetary theory history of economic thought these are not popular topics in modern economics mm-hmm. it was one of the contributing factors that you know made me not a good fit for right. the economics the economist you know profession as a career but I think so. A lot of people approach it from that direction. Maybe I I didn't do enough of that kind of thinking prior to going in, because uh, it's just it was not not a good fit. So anyway, answer your question. It, it becomes okay. Well, what what's the alternative? That that also is a part of the ideas, right? That also has something to say about Austrian economics about fractional reserve banking, you know, mon- Austrian business cycle theory. You know, I wanted to be in that world still. Sure. And as much a part of the solution as possible. I mean, the whole idea behind being a professor was to change young minds, you know, this kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I'm, that works, you know. There's not, no, what's the saying about an idea whose time has come, you know. No stopping an idea whose time has come, that kind of thing. So you can affect change that way. Um, it's also some, however, it's also somewhat top down, right? The the modern academic world is very top down. 
It's even in the classroom. Authority figure in the front, peons in the rows, quiet, sitting, Compliance. facing the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taught obedience. You know, there's that's not the way you want someone to come to these ideas. Right? They don't you shouldn't have to be told or have these ideas imposed upon you. Forced upon you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, if you want to get a grade. Right. Be a part of that whole system. Yeah. Right. So even the the method of teaching is not in line with a fully decentralized, individualistic, you know, seriously freedom-oriented kind of thought process. Because I had, during my education, education, in air quotes, done uh, some Socratic seminars in Chicago two different years with the Reason, Individualism, and Freedom Institute. Many syllables there, but organization in Chicago, do they do a week of Socratic seminars. And so I got a front row seat to what real decentralized education was like. You know, conversations where there was no right or wrong answer. There was no authority figure in the room conducting the class. And you had a facilitator, but it was just a conversation right. with you and the other students. And then that kind of methodology, as far as education was concerned, was like, yeah, that's the way to go. You, know, you want people independently thinking, independently arriving at what they believe to be the correct answers. Because then it's theirs, right? can't take it from them. Right. But they've got to get there themselves, however long that takes and whatever that looks like. Anyway, that's not what goes down in the typical college classroom. Another contributing factor, which made me not want to pursue that as a career. So um, instead, you know, I had already met Nelson, and it's like, well, here's a here's a bottom-up solution, individual solution. I tell people now I do more teaching, more education, as it properly should be now as a financial entrepreneur than I ever did in academia. Right. So that's how I came around. You know, how about you, James? Well, you know, I'm uh You've you know, been in this for a while. Twenty twenty In fact, let me stop you you're like one of the original people who like learned directly from Nelson. And so the Nelson Nash Institute has a practitioner program, right? Financial people go to the Institute, do an online training, become an authorized infinite banking concept practitioner. And if I'm correct, you were the first one to go through that program. I was and fully supported it and still do to this day. Um, you know, I, uh, I went into, i tell you what, I got uh, licensed, you know, a registered representative, insurance license, and a permanent license in 1991. Well, prior to that, um, you know, I've always been an entrepreneur, self-employed. Um, I don't know how I got 
exposed to it. I think a friend exposed me to uh, A.L. Williams. Mm. Buy term and invest the rest, mm-hmm. right? Um, I cannot... I cannot stand multi-level marketing, mm-hmm. direct marketing, whatever they call it today. Um, so I was just exposed to it and seen it. You know, I didn't uh, do it, you know, whatever they did, you know, buy in, sign up all your family and whatever. However, I, I know what their model was and I did not do that. But I did believe the concept, right? Because mm-hmm. I didn't know any different, right? I thought. Of course, you want to be wealthy, and of course, you know, the stock market is a way to do that. And, you know, it seemed to me like insurance was a good idea if you had a family, you know, a death benefit. So, A.L. Williams was a regional vice president for Waddell and Reed. The A.L. Williams. Arthur the L. Williams. A.L. Williams, yeah. right? So, and their, their concept... You know, dang it, he didn't come up with that. Mm. You know, he took that from Waddell and Reed. Mm-hmm. So Waddell and Reed, they owned a family of mutual funds that had an 8.5% front-end load. That's how dang old that is, okay? <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then they own, you know, they own Globe Life, United. Uh, you know, they own a lot of life insurance, several life insurance companies and you know, now they own a couple of mutual fund families. But back then, uh, Waddell and Reed, a financial services firm that had mutual funds and term insurance. And that was their motto. It was either buy term and invest the difference. And then A.L. Williams, as a regional vice president, left. And it was buy term and invest the rest. And I could have those vice versa. Mm-hmm. It was a long time. It happens when you get old. Your memory, your hearing, your sight, <laughs> right? Okay, but I just wanted to help people. You know, I really did. I just wanted to help people. And, uh, of course, I'm, I want to be profitable, you know, and successful. So, And they had a training program. And so I got all geared up and licensed. But prior to that, you know, you had a temporary, you could get a temporary license. And, and I wrote Medicare Supplements, which is health care, health insurance for people above 65 and older. And that... You know, that was a long time ago, but that's how I started in the financial services industry, right? And from that experience, though, Ryan, um, I've seen that the market didn't always go up. And I've seen and I experienced clients that didn't outlive outlive their need for a death benefit, Hmm. right? But here I'm a young guy and... uh, and uh, working hard, you know, um, but that's how I got started. And, and then I seen when I, when, when I realized that, no, the market's not the solution for everything variable this and variable that, um, you know, I, I became, it, it's almost like you believe something and then you get into it, you buy into it. And then it's not really what it appeared to be, mm-hmm. you know, so I was pretty, disgruntled, disappointed, right? But, you know, I never left the industry. You know, I uh, just moved independently from company to company, writing life insurance, uh, 
Medicare supplement that was, you know, there's a need for healthcare and a death benefit. And, mm-hmm. and so I've not been formally trained, you know, by a big company that has a formal training program in the insurance industry. Thank God. <laughs> you Absolutely. Know. Back then, you know, you think you're oh, I'm missing something. Oh, looking back, it's thank you, God the Lord. Lord. Yeah. Right. Um, well, it turns out, you know, we fast forward to, uh, you know, 2001, two or three. And, you know, my practice had developed into retirement planning. Right. So I was um, holding retirement workshops, which, you know, I love people. And, um, you know, I'm not a professional speaker at all, but I'm the kind of guy that I have to know what I'm talking. I can't use a script, you know, I have to almost over know too dang much about mm-hmm. something, but that's the way I'm built. And so I developed a, a successful practice and a lot of clients, I mean, um, that I still enjoy working with today, right? Well, I've always been a student of my faith, number one, in, uh, you know, my profession. I've always been a student of history and, and, uh, and you mean, and you mean that, like you, you tell a story you used to, for entertainment, read the Encyclopedia Britannica as a kid, as a child. I did. That was, you know, we didn't have iPads, iPhones and computers and still, you know, cell phones. So my mother, um, you know, that's, she bought the Encyclopedia Britannica series and then you'd get the new edition, the updated edition every year or two. And man, that's, that's your entertainment right there. I love it. (laughs) Sounds weird, I guess, looking or listening, but I loved it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's great. So being a student of history, you know, I mean, I've, uh, uh, still to this day, I I read as much as I possibly can. I, you know, um, well, being a student, um, I think it was somewhere around two thousand three or four. I went to a two day uh, seminar in the financial industry. Just uh, advisors coming together and sharing best practices. You know. Uh, what they're doing and and it was probably funded by an insurance or investment company or a couple of them, but they really pretty good speakers over this two day period, you know, and I'm taking notes and, and they all, not all of them, but a lot of them referenced a book. Some of them probably wrote a book. Well, I bought all the books, right? And I take them home and my story's out there on YouTube. It's mine. I love it. I like to hear it. Um, <laughs> you know, I do, and I like to share it because it's mine, right? So I take these books home, Ryan, and I'm not kidding. I stack them up, you know, on my nightstand. And here I go home every day with the full intention of reading those books. So I can do better. I can be better. I can provide a better service. Sure. Um, and... <clears throat> Literally, you know, when you're dealing with numbers and concepts all day and you go home and you're reading more numbers and concepts, you're 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 exchanging family time, right, mm-hmm. for more numbers and concepts. And that's been a challenge my whole life <clears throat> is uh, keeping my 
work life and my family life in proper balance, and I don't do a very good job of that, you know, I must say. Sure. Um, Well, anyway, going home, you know, going to bed and looking at that stack of unread books every night. Well, I'd start a book and not Mm -hmm. finish it, and start a book and not finish it, start a book and not finish it. Literally, I'm feeling like I'm an underachiever, right? So I went through the stack, and I picked the thinnest book in the stack just so I could finish a book, right? And and lo and behold, it was Nelson Nash's first book, Becoming Your Own Banker. 92 pages, big print, lots of illustrations, blank mm-hmm. pages. I read the book that night, and, and by God, I was angry. When I got up the next day, you know, I was angry. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd never heard of this. You know, I, I million-dollar roundtable producer, designations, organizations. I'm paying attention. I'm seeking the truth. You know, I'm seeking understanding. Um, and I'd never, never realized, never knew, have never, was never taught or told uh, what you could do with life insurance. Like Nelson brings out, points out clearly and becoming your own banker. So I got up the next day and I called the number on the back of the book. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to order some books. And so Nelson answers the phone. We have a great conversation and it literally ended. Uh, boy, I hold these 10 hour seminars all over the country and you need to get yourself to one. So I'm like, that's a great idea. So I went to the, the next one Sat in the back of the room, paid attention, took copious notes, just like, you know, I'm a yellow legal pad guy, um, full of notes. I go home, and I'm, I have a successful retirement planning practice, right? Um, beautiful clients. <clears throat> and the first thing I did was restructure my life insurance, right? And uh, have been teaching my clients how to implement the concept every since and and it's just it, it checked all the boxes for me it's the truth it's the truth about money it's the truth about human action and economics mm-hmm. i knew nothing of austrian economics mm-hmm. nothing so um i've hosted nelson since then i think it was the next year that uh, I had uh, st- I started hosting Nelson one, two, and three times a year, and 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 we hosted Nelson all the way up until his retirement, in 2016, quote unquote retirement. He quit traveling and he quit presenting his 10-hour workshop. Sure, right. Well, I uh, had the pleasure of dragging him out of you know, quote unquote, <laughs> retirement three or four times, Yeah. you know, and I just enjoyed a presentation this last weekend, you know, although Nelson didn't present, you know, it was all of the interaction prior to, during and after, sure. right? Absolutely priceless. So, you know, I've become a student of Austrian economics, not to your level, and I don't want to be at your level. I understand the Austrian business cycle theory that makes a you know, it's the closest thing to the truth and economics that I have discovered, mm-hmm. right? Um, become a, a just a, a student of Nelson Nash. He's become a great friend and mentor to me. You know, talk to him regularly. And, uh, 
you know, it's just I probably le- I have learned more about money and economics from Nelson Nash. And then I've also d- discovered quite, you know, it's kind of a two-edged sword. You're disappointed on one hand, but, oh, my gosh, uh, thank you, Lord. On the other hand, the, you know, me being a student of history, by God, I haven't been learning the true history of things. Mm-hmm. You know, the victor writes the history, right? And Absolutely. so... Um, another box that was checked, and it's, yeah. um, so that's uh, that's really my that is my story, and that's how I got connected um, with the infinite banking concept and Nelson Nash. Long about um, 2013, you know, Jason Rink and I were, you know, I met Jason Rink at an event, and uh. You know, and I just really wanted to promote, you know, my my practice and the infinite banking concept, becoming your own banker. So I'm kicking around, you know, we should have some, you know, some uh, videos, right? We should have a commercial somewhere where you can sell somebody something, right? Let them know who you are, what you do, right? Well, Jason Rink and I started talking and, you know, I really wanted to tell the story. Uh, infinite banking, sound money, natural law, uh, fractional reserve banking, the boom bust cycle. So as we worked together, you know, I storyboarded what I wanted to share with people. I want them to understand, you know, I wanted people to see what was kind of really going on in the big wide world of economics, you know, just take a step back and, you know, I'm convinced if you know what's going on, you'll know what to do. Yeah. Right. So that that developed out into a documentary style video, Banking with Life DVD. And the same time, and of course, that was released in 2013, you know, uh, on purpose, a hundred, the 100 year anniversary of the Federal Reserve. Right. And so <clears throat> that, too, now. Prior to the NNI, the Nelson Nash Institute, which that was developed in 2013 right so these were happening at the same time spontaneous i didn't have anything to do with the development of the nelson nash institute um but i'm just saying that those came out together at the same yeah. time and and it made sense to me the NNI makes complete sense to me if you um you know, consider the legacy of Nelson, what its purpose is, the Nelson Nash Institute. And maybe we can, you know, find a stopping point here. Yeah, no, I think it's that's perfect because we have, you know, part of this podcast is to, you know, keep the legacy of Nelson alive as long as, you know, people are doing finance. So I think it's a good place to stop. Thanks for watching, y'all. Yeah. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the content, leave us a like or a thumbs up. Share us with your friends. Give us some feedback and we'll see you next time.